You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, today, very obviously, we're going to be talking about the Green Bay Packers joint practice with the Cincinnati Bengals. All the highs and lows. But I'll tell you what, let's not mess around, let's get into it. So, um... Definitely, or obviously, a different kind of energy here. Um, both teams, both fan bases, very amped up. Um, the Packers are going to have they had one on ones with the offensive line, defensive line, and they said, and the they said the majority of the practices are scripted, but there are two unscripted periods, uh, move the ball, and two minute drill. And as a bonus, it was allowed to be recorded. Ew. Uh, according to Matt LaFleur, just going through the press conference first, um, he hasn't totally solidified whether the starters will play on Friday, but he's leaning that direction, meaning leaning toward yes, they'll play. Quote via Zach Cruz, pretty good chance Jordan Love and the number one will play in the preseason opener against the Bengals. Obviously, said, obviously says, I wish Joe Burrow was going to be out there throwing, as I think we all do. That's a heck of a challenge for your DBs, man. Either way, great receivers, as Matt LaFleur says here, three dudes who can start on any offense. It's going to be a great challenge for our secondary to see how they respond. Um, they also said that this practice will determine kind of how they lay out Friday night, who plays, who doesn't, how much, etc. And then Matt Schneiman, we're allowed to film Packers vs. Bengals in 7-on-7 seven seven today, which is obviously amazing. Uh, David Bakhtiari padded up. Josiah Aguara back practicing. All this is great news with the Bengals coming up. Obviously, not not saying that I know David Bakhtiari is going to practice. They might keep him out no matter what. But getting guys back healthy at the right times is a good thing. And I tell you what, seeing Rashawn Gary out there just gets you freaking jacked up, man. That's so exciting. I cannot believe he's already out there practicing. That blows my mind. Uh, Ryan Wood says, an overall healthy roster for Packers joint practices versus Bengals. Eric Stokes, NFI, Lou Nichols, Innis Gaines, and Jake Hansen are the only players not practicing. And just like that, we're into it. Right out of the gate, seven on seven. Packers somehow managed to get Kristen Watson lined up on a linebacker. He obviously just burns the living daylights out of him. Jordan Love catches him on a crosser. Next note from Ryan Wood says, man, Luke Musgrave is a big target down the You know what I love? All these notes now come with videos. Man, I'm beating a dead horse here. I understand it. But it helps so much to be able to see what they're tweeting. These tweets, we've been, I've been reading these tweets how many times? Man, Luke Musgrave is a big target down the middle of the field. I, I, I might not even read that if it wasn't for the video. Like, okay, so what does that mean? Well, he just caught a pass against two people. And I can see it, and that's great. Probably won't put it in my notes because it feels irrelevant, but, you know. DeGuara is back, but not in team. Henry Pearson makes nice tiptoe catch to pull the pass in for a big connection from Love. No video. Dang it, Wes. Get in the freaking game here, bud. It's like when I go to my kids' football games and I never record when he actually does something cool. 
What else is cool is we actually got Bengals reporters in on this. So Goodberry, who's a pretty well-known um, guy with 81,000 followers, whatever, he's a Bengals guy. He says, uh, Jonah in with the starters, handled Preston Brown. I'm assuming that's Preston Smith. Jackson Carmen with the backups, gets beat in a swim move. Van Ness beats Carmen inside again. So two times in a row, Van Ness beat him. And we got Ryan Wood. Jordan Love tries to hit Romeo Dobbs deep down the middle of the field. Dobbs got behind the Bengals secondary, but Love's pass hung in the air too long, allowed the safety to close over and break up the pass. I feel like that's the ninth time I've read that exact sentence. Fantastic update from our buddy Goodberry. Says, Bengals offense cannot move the ball against the Packers defense so far. Anders Carlson, first three field goals. (laughs) PAT wide right. So he missed a freaking extra point. And then 37 good and 39 good. Ay, yeah, yeah. They're trying to get him off to a good start here. They didn't even push him out to 40 yards yet. Jordan Love opens 3 of 5 versus the Bengals starting defense in first team period. He hits Samori Ture on a slant. Pretty fade ball to Henry Pearson down the right side. Crosser to Watson. Missed Romeo Dobbs deep and Watson on a corner route. Then we got Matt Schneidman providing updates on the next series with videos. Thank you, Matt. Jordan Love to Jaden Reed over the middle on 7 on 7. Let me see if I can gauge about how many yards this is. It's about a 6 or 7 yard pass. He picked up another three. Luke Musgrave with a drop over the middle. Looks like he just hit him in the chest. He had two guys bearing down on him, but it's practice, dude. They're not going to hit you. Love to Patrick Taylor in the flat. Doesn't look like that would have gone anywhere. That was about a two-yard gain. Then we got Love incomplete to Musgrave, but a flag on the Bengals. Looks like the guy got there a little bit earlier. Again, just another probably five-yard pass over the middle. Then Love complete to Musgrave. And then we got that crosser that we already talked about. Uh, Paul Daner Jr., who I believe is also a uh, Bengals reporter, he's for The Athletic, says, Session of 11-on-11 between Bengals offense and Packers defense was dominated by Green Bay. Nothing of note outside of one pass to Tyler Boyd up the seam on a nice run by Joe Mixon. Otherwise, a struggle to find any space or success in the pass game. (laughs) Get your freaking jacked up! I don't care if it's 7-on-7, only one series... And a freaking practice. I don't care. His defense is going to freaking dominate, man, all right? I don't care if our kicker can't kick. I don't care if we can't complete passes beyond eight yards. Our defense is going to kick the crap out of everybody. There you go. Jonathan Owens getting work at personal protector on punts, alternating with Levitt competition within the safety competition. Kind of interesting. (laughs) Wes Hodkowitz. Uh, Non-shooting period, but Keyshawn Nixon just made two Bengals run into each other on punt return. Good visual. Man, I wish, I wish there was a video of that. Maybe there is somewhere. Somebody got some illegal footage somewhere. Keyshawn Nixon made two Bengals run into each other on punt return. Good Lord, I'm excited. I'm so happy. Wes Hodkowitz says, Carrington Valentine now with a uh, with two pass breakups in the red zone. He's outside corner. Jair uh, practicing, but not in team. So they got Valentine out there now, which I guess makes sense. He is... Boundary corner three on my uh, 53 right now. So I guess if Jair is not going to participate in this, Valentine would be next up. That confirms it. He must still be that dude. Ten-yard pass for Jordan Love in the back right corner of the end zone to Christian Watson. Watson beat corner uh, Bengals cornerback Cam Taylor Britt to the corner, and Love didn't miss. Ew. Probably for fun, we could uh, bring up some of these guys' PFF grades just so we have a gauge on kind of what they're going up against. Cam Taylor Britt was the 59th ranked cornerback, 64 grade, 69.2 coverage grade. He's no Jair, but, you know, he's he's a starter. Bengals cornerback Mike Hilton, that's their number one corner, picks a Jordan Love pass from the three-yard line. Packers had a bunch left on the goal line and looked like Hilton jumped a screen pass off the jump. 
took it the other way. Young quarterback sold on a route before the snap. Jordan Love finishes 5 of 8 for roughly 32 yards, two touchdowns and a pick in the red zone. Hit Watson on a corner route from the 10-yard line, uh, threaded a pass to Jaden Reed for a 5-yard touchdown on a stop route, lone pick on a screen to the left from the 3. And then, a fight. Matt Schneidman says, multiple swings thrown. I saw Elton Jenkins in there, Runyon and Dobbs were on the ground, didn't see Bengals in the mix, but the skirmish lasted a while. Well, I hope there was some Bengals in the mix. Bill Huber says, first fight of the day, 57 on Cincy, shoved someone, but who knows what started it. We're on about a minute now before it's broken up. Bakhtiari and Hilton have a chat, and we're back to football. I'm guessing number 57 would be Jermaine Pratt, their linebacker. Also got Steve Palazzolo in the house, taking some notes for everybody. He says, Packers quarterback Alex Magoo with the best pass of the day so far at Packers-Bengals practice. I'm sure that's going to get sent all over the universe. Ooh, quarterback competition. Throw is in stride to wide receiver Malik Heath. And then Palazzolo says, Love overthrows Musgrave, who has DJ Turner in his hip pocket. Musgrave lining up out wide quite a bit. Then we get the story on the fight from Tom Silverstein. He says, left guard Elton Jenkins dropped a Bengals linebacker, Jermaine Pratt, on his butt on a screen. The linebacker sat down, shaking his head for a bit, then got up, approached Jenkins, and took a swing at him. Jenkins lunged at him, and it was on. So (laughs) Jenkins laid him out, then Pratt went in his face, and Jenkins beat the crap out of him again. Got it. Then we got Jordan Love drops a 51-yard touchdown to Romeo Dobbs down the right sideline on third and six against Tam- Cam Taylor-Britt. Love to see it. Didn't miss that deep ball. Let Dobbs run under it, and he did the rest. Wes Hodgwood says, Rashawn Gary may have run six miles during all these team periods. Every time I look up, he's doing gasters sideline to sideline. Then we got misdirection run by Jones, and Elton and Reeder tussle again. Newman at left guard. Matt Schneidman says, Elton Jenkins versus DJ Reeder in a scuffle now with the play far away. Jenkins swings at Reader's head and connects. Jenkins is out of the drill now. Offensive line coach Luke Busket, Butkus escorts him out. Good. I mean, good that he hit him. I like it. Steve Palazzolo says, Packers guard Elton Jenkins just punched DJ Reader in the face, who no-sold it like The Undertaker. I don't know what the Packers beat guys are doing. I feel like they're having fun on vacation, goofing off or something, because I'm getting all my updates from Bengals guys, and I don't know what it is from the, uh, <laughs> from the Packers' perspective. Miles Murphy with two nice plays back-to-back, first the pass and then a run stuff. So there were two passes and a run play there, apparently, that didn't go very well for us. And then Tyson Anderson with a pass breakup, against who I don't know. Bengals' offense ran out of time after getting close to, a, close to field goal range in their two-minute drive. Packers' two-minute offense gets their chance now. This is all from Bengals' beat writers. Sharping and Trey Hill allow a sack between them, untouched defender, which defender I'm not sure. Here we go, Ryan Wood. Welcome back. Anders Carlson about two yards short of an approximate 58-yard field goal following Jordan Love's two-minute versus Bengals defense. What the heck happened during the two-minute? <laughs> I don't know. Kick was true, just very far. He said Jordan Love was four of seven in the two-minute drill, one in completion, uh, a clock kill, had Romeo Dobbs deep down the right side versus Sidney Jones, but Dobbs couldn't bring it in. Not a bad ball. Love hit Samori Ture for a first down in deep in route converting third and three otherwise lot of checks so i guess that's what happened bengal's second team offense loses more yards than they gained on their drive sure would love to know what defenders were in on that practice is over so <laughs> freaking a i swear i think i think they were a little jet lagged from their trip to cincinnati or something because i got nothing i i don't know the defense looked great i couldn't tell you one defensive player that looked good though i don't know <laughs> tom silverstein Practice over. Packers 0, Bengals 0 to be continued Friday night. It's all defense. 
unfortunately the Bengals didn't have a lot of they don't have their quarterback or their wide receivers out there but it's fine uh, via Mr. Goodberry he uh, replies to Zach Cruz in one of his comments he says Van Ness is a handful already obviously Kenny Clark too they struggled with both bunch of pass breakups Bengals quarterbacks were bad so a couple kind of notes there so uh, takeaways from training camp today, I don't really have a ton. I guess the defense looked really good. Um, I am getting the impression based on sort of hints that uh, Lucas Van Ness had a big day. Here's what John Kuhn had to say for his recap. Two dust-ups was good to see. Valentine versus Chase plus, whatever that means. Carlson 8 for 10 but one miss from 60. Heath stays making plays. John, this is a great example of why, like, 30-year-old dudes shouldn't pretend they're 16. He stays making play? Come on, man. Whatever. You do you. Whelan can touch the clouds. Overall good day for GBP on both sides. Got some additional context here by Steve Palazzolo, also on that pick, which I didn't have a video of. He says, uh, Pretty sure it was a blown block that allowed Hilton to blow up the bubble screen. That's not usually on the quarterback unless there's a pre-snap look he missed. But, I mean, honestly, nothing's really changed. My hype for uh, Lucas Van Ness continues. Hype for the defense continues. Um, my concern for the offense is limited to just the ability to get on the same page down the field. Otherwise, And, you know, starting off slow early. But um, otherwise, things look good. And I don't know how you fix that. How do we get Jordan Love to play really good when things start? And how do we get sort of that... Um, connection built downfield i don't know if that's something you can just learn or if it's just a problem i have no idea but uh, they've got to build that and they got to get that fixed the good news is it seems like our wide receivers are always open down the field all the time they're also always open in the middle of the field all the time they're also always open in the flat all the time so that doesn't seem to be a problem <laughs> it's it honestly our offense which is maybe a good thing, maybe a bad thing, seems to be limited only by the abilities of Jordan Love. If he makes the play, there's always a play to be made. If he doesn't make the play, then he doesn't make the play. Again, this is all preliminary, just kind of going off of what I've been paying attention to the last few weeks. The running doesn't seem to be the greatest, which is good for a defense that seems to struggle against the run. But again, all of this really is going to come down to Friday. Like It's exactly like I said, right? OTA start and it's like, well, that doesn't really count. Wait until training camp. Training camp starts. Well, it doesn't matter until they get the pads on. Pads on. Well, it doesn't really matter. We'll get a better idea in joint practice. Joint practice starts. Well, we won't know till preseason. Preseason. Well, we won't really know anything until the regular season. Well, that was just week one. Blah blah blah. But but in reality, I want to see it when it matters. Some of this stuff. There's no pass rush. You got a coach flipping the ball to Jordan Love, who's trying to get passes down the field. Just for some of them. So we need to see. You know, and, and we got offensive linemen not in. Our beat guys didn't even bother to tell us what the offensive lineup was, who the starters were. I mean, this is the only training camp that didn't happen. So again, they're either massively jet lagged um, or we're just having way too much fun goofing around with everybody. But again, it's also going to be good to see it because as much as it's nice to get the tweets, it's always a little different when you can actually see it for yourself. So that'll be fantastic. I look forward to that. Anyways, why don't we take a break? Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy is where you can support the podcast. You can do so for as little as $1 a month if you so choose. Thank you very, very much to John Stroman, Eli, Carlo, Ariano, and Andrew Matson. Thank you guys so much for jumping in and pledging this month. That really does mean a lot. 
I appreciate all your guys' support. And as always, please remember to check out grassfedcooperative.com. Use promo code PACKER10, capital P, PACKER10 for 10% off your order. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. All right, so I got to do this. I got to do this. As I was sitting around kind of getting some other football stuff done, I occasionally will just pop on some YouTube videos and just kind of thumb through and see what's out there. Um, I've mentioned a guy that's become somewhat popular as a uh, Twitter analytics guy, at Throw the Damn Ball. Well, he works for a company called Sportfolio Kings. I have a feeling this is kind of a newer, up-and-coming kind of a company. Uh, Brett, his his ad is at Deep Value Better. I, I first found him. He made some, like, real short videos or whatever. I don't know if it was YouTube shorts or what. But, you know, they're they're well-produced. You know, he's got a, a backlit background and a lit-up microphone. And he's talking all these deep analytics and everything. So that's kind of how I found all these guys. Anyways, subscribe to the channel. And they've got NFC North betting preview. I'm like, all right, cool, let's do that. Now, I'll, I'll be honest. Some of this stuff I need to d- d- dive into. They talk a ton about drive quality. Even as they're talking about it, I don't fully understand it. It has something to do with how a team played compared to expectations. I don't know. Doesn't matter at this particular point in time. What I want to do, and, and understand, the guy Brett is a Chicago Bears fan. He's wearing a Bears shirt as we speak. The guy beneath him, Ben, who's from PFF, who's a guest for the show, he's a Vikings fan. Judah, I have no idea. Throw the damn ball. I don't know. So we got a Bears fan and a Vikings fan and a I don't know fan discussing the Chicago Bears. I just want to play a couple things. Again, remember, Bears fan, and we're talking analytics here. This is not feelings. This is not, you know, hype. This is, this is you know, and it doesn't have to mean it's correct. You got to know what you're talking about when it comes to analytics. But I, I just, I want to hear numbers and data and science being applied to uh, some conversations surrounding the Chicago Bears. I just want to know what they got to say. That's all. No big deal. Anyways, let's start with just a couple clips. Let's start with this one. And the guy speaking first is Brett. This is the Chicago Bears fan. We're looking at the Bears' earned drive points. People think that the Bears' offense was, like, very explosive. It was explosive for, like, three or four weeks there in the middle of the season. But we see that their offensive earned drive points was average. A little bit less than two points per drive. They 
earned. And then their defense, one of the worst in the league, second only to the Lions. All right. Just a little warm up. Here are some comments from PFF Ben Brown. Again, Vikings fan commenting on the Chicago Bears. The interesting thing to me with that cluster, like all very run heavy teams, in some ways, I think like the profile of the Chicago Bears being a really good offense is people looking back at last season and seeing these like gaudy runs, right? There wasn't anything from like a huge explosive plays in the passing game perspective. It was a lot of signature Justin Fields run, Khalil Herbert in a lot of ways as well. That doesn't seem as stable or as sticky, I would say, as opposed to seeing some of the more high profile passing attacks. And with a league average setting, being one of the best rushing teams in football, like there still needs to be a pretty dramatic improvement from the passing game, specifically with Justin Fields. All right, so so far, what is it? The the Brett the Bears fan said, people think the Bears offense was explosive. It really wasn't aside for like three weeks. Those are the three weeks, by the way, that Bears fans love to throw in your face. They won't make it three, three weeks. They'll blow it out to like seven weeks because you can add in a couple like mediocre weeks into the really good weeks to make a, a like six-week stretch look really good, but it really wasn't. There were three weeks where the Bears offense looked good. The entire season. And then again, Ben comes back and says, yeah, they, they were a really good run team, but unless, you know, that's first of all, not stable, which I believe I went over on this podcast. The fact that his his uh, broken tackle rate was historically high and is unsustainable, meaning that number in terms of how many yards he got will not stay that high. But the run is unstable and you have to pass, period. And he has not shown to be able to do that. All right, so now they're, now they're kind of getting into some betting stuff and they're highlighting how in the middle of the season, suddenly the Bears became one of the most popular teams to bet on. Yeah, no one wanted to bet on the Bears in that Patriots game. 25th ranked pick uh, in Circa that week. But it was after that game, then 5th, 3rd, 4th, 8th, 7th. Then they start reaching into top 10 most popular picks. And it's because a lot of those highlight real plays. But then this team also didn't cover 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7 out of the last eight games. So certainly did not reward betters. There's a lot of projection of this field's ascent uh, to be a great quarterback, but we actually haven't seen much of that at all. And if you actually look at the EPAs of, that we have on this chart of fields in the last couple of weeks of the season, you got negative 2.6, 3.3, 2.7, negative 0.8, negative 10, negative 20.9. He wasn't good to finish off the season. Like he had uh, some flashes there a lot of which are on the backs of huge runs, which are probably not going to sustain themselves going forward. So just just to get caught up here, for starters, they became one of the most popular teams to bet on. And again, a lot of this this betting is just Vegas says, here's what we think. We think the Bears are going to lose by five points. And people are like, you're out of your mind. And they're saying the reason for that is because people saw these highlight reels and thought, you're, you're, this team is actually really good. You don't understand. Again, Bears fans are freaking delusional, as is the media. They love Justin Fields, despite Bears fans saying they all hate him. There's a couple people that dump on him, but for the most part, everybody gushes on this little boy. They treat him with kid gloves. He's one of the worst quarterbacks we've ever seen. They're talking MVP. And so everybody's betting. You guys are out of your mind. And guess what? They all lost their money. They said the Bears, the, the Bears didn't reward betters. Everybody that bet on the Bears lost their money. Then you got Judah, who is throw the damn ball on Twitter saying Justin Fields wasn't good. And they talked about EPA where he had a couple good weeks. When I looked at EPA to come up with the number that I was talking about, it was EPA per pass. EPA in total takes into account rushing. So yes, he's correct. If you look at EPA in its totality, he had a couple weeks where he was competent, and it was entirely because of his rushing. This built-in projection of the Bears as a much better team than they were. No, and after the Falcons game in Week 11, this offense did not eclipse 20 points for the rest of the season. 
And it was really defined by just this five-week span in the middle of the season. Patriots, Cowboys, Dolphins, Lions, and Falcons. And they lost four or five of those games. because. <laughs> so so the, the entire reason for hope for the Chicago Bears is a five-week stretch where the offense looked halfway competent, mostly on the back of running the ball, which is not how you win in the NFL. And the evidence of that is that they lost four out of five. Congratulations. Here is PFF Ben. And it's weird because it is creating a very bullish pricing and some pretty dramatic Justin Fields increase and from a passing efficiency standpoint, but also kind of like you mentioned, Brett, an improvement on the defense side of the football. But the reasons why they would be projected to be better defensively are signing guys like Tremont Edmonds. And to me, like him at middle linebacker, like that's not a position that I would really want to invest heavy resources into like the Chicago Bears. Did. And I think it maybe even further iterates the point where defensively they probably won't be anywhere close to expectation like they being priced at right now it's very much setting up to be where they were at in 2022 and i just don't see an improvement from a roster standpoint that is really going to move the needle to the point where the hype that we're seeing coming from the betting market it is really going to be justified or live up to it I'm looking at the- thank you freaking thank you So he's saying that there is a very bullish market on the Chicago Bears that has baked into it a massive increase in Justin Fields' passing ability and a massive increase in their uh, defense's abilities. Now, I do expect their defense to improve because they ranked 32nd last year. But it's not because of anything that they did. Again, very similar to what I said before. I don't know if this is a prior podcast or what. If they did nothing, nobody coming in, nobody going out, exact same team, I don't expect them to be 32nd. You know why? Because they just don't. It's, it's, it's statistically improbable. It's possible, but improbable. But, but again, there, there is this belief, this hype, that the Chicago Bears defense will improve because they made some major adjustments. And he's saying, these are not adjustments that I would really think would be a good investment. You got a linebacker. So there's just too many assumptions. Again, Justin Fields becoming a great passer and the defense massively improving, where there's no reason to actually believe these things. And and in reality, they're really much closer to the team that they were last year than they're being billed to be. All right, here's Judah. At the PFF grades of the defensive line, we've gotten 111th out of 119th, 24th out of 127, 111th out of 127, 113th out of 119. And their cornerbacks are also a train wreck, maybe the exception of Jalen Johnson. They're holes in huge areas for this defense. Right. Like went on side, Yannick. So, yeah, where, where's the improvement? Where's the improvement? Where's this massive... You, you have the most putrid defensive line, maybe in the history of defensive lines. Ngakwe, probably the best edge rusher still available at this point, and they probably need, you know, a few more guys along the defensive line, but Yannick Ngakwe, when he's at his best, is very much just a situational pass rusher, and I don't think is really going to move the needle. I think the other aspect... Again, he doesn't move the needle. At his best, he is a pure, a pure situational pass rusher. That's it, and that's when he's at his best. I, I, it's just so refreshing for me to listen to people who look at freaking data and reality and just say the words. Just say the words. Oh no, Yannick is. Oh come on, you're you're underrated. You're just being biased. No, I'm not. You've heard how many times have you listened to me compliment people? Do you want me to talk about Justin Jefferson? Do you want me to talk about Amon Ross St. Brown or Penny Sewell? Do you want me to talk about Kirk Cousins? who I think is a very good football player. How about the fact that the Vikings actually have a really, really good offensive line? 
Do you want me to gush over Daniil Hunter again? Do you want me to tell you that I think Aiden Hutchinson's going to take a pretty big leap and be a solid pass rusher this year? I don't have a problem stating positive things about rival teams if they exist. The Bears just don't have any right now. There's literally not one player on that team that scares me. Not one that I would even say is a really good football player. Maybe one of the running backs. Maybe. I don't know. Zero of their offensive linemen. Oh, DJ Moore. DJ Moore is good. He is a number one wide receiver. But he's not an elite wide receiver, as we're going to get to here. Listen to... This is not DJ Moore yet, but here's here's the Bears fan. Here's what else he has to say about his team. The other aspect of this dichotomy between the Bears' first quarter and then the rest of the game is also, is this an indictment of the coaching staff? Still a young coaching staff and an inexperienced coaching staff. Just the inability to adjust to other teams then adjusting to your offense after that first quarter you have to make them they were he, he talked about it earlier i skipped it i didn't find it massively important but just as context he was saying they were one of the best first quarter teams they scored on almost every opening drive but they were one of the worst i think fourth quarter teams in other words as the play comes along other teams adjust the bears don't know how and they get the living crap beat out of them all right here we go here is judah our buddy over there on twitter at throw the damn ball to making the bet that DJ Moore and a full year of Chase Claypool and a healthful Darnell Mooney are going to like unlock some passing efficiency from Justin Fields. And we even heard Fields talk about, I'm going to be the first quarterback to throw for 4,000 yards. I'm not buying it. I think, you know, we've seen a, a wide receiver kind of unlock a quarterback that's uh, happened. And Tyreek Hill to, to a tongue of Iloa and AJ Brown to Jalen Hurts, Stephon Diggs to Josh Allen, Jamar Chase to Joe Burrow, but I don't think DJ Moore is the same caliber receiver. Thank and also you. the base rate for Justin Fields is just so low as a passer that even if he kind of like marginally improves, even if he improves his accuracy by four or five percent, which would be a huge jump, he's still a below average quarterback in that regard. The case for upside, I would say, is that you always want to find a guy who has elite traits. And Justin Fields is certainly an elite scrambler. You know, with that comes the cost of missing open receivers. I posted a chart where Justin Fields really pops out. It's a chart about the percentage of throws to open receivers and, and versus tight windows. And Justin Fields doesn't throw to tight windows very often. He's good. He scrambles in that way. But he's also never finding open receivers. And it's not due to the Bears wide receivers are bad. Justin Fields took so long to throw that receivers actually just ran open. But he's got some processing issue, which was the knock on him coming out of college. And I'm not sure that DJ Moore and Chase Claypool, who frankly hasn't been very good, are really going to unlock that. And that has to be the, the logic you. behind giving the Bears a seven and a half win total. So again, he's coming at it saying, look, the, the only reason you would say that they're going to jump from three wins to seven and a half is because you buy into this whole thing about him being unleashed. But what did he say? He said exactly what I've been saying forever. N number one, DJ Moore is not the same caliber as all these other wide receivers that helped these quarterbacks break out. Number two, Justin Fields is not the same caliber of quarterback as all these other guys. I think he's going to comment on it again. But essentially, he says, if he takes somewhat of an unprecedented leap in, ha in, in his accuracy, he's still going to be terrible. In fact, that is going to come up. I love this piece. This is Brett the Bears fan. And Justin Fields is notorious for shooting his mouth off. So 4,000 yards, it's total BS. <laughs> in his rookie year in the preseason, talking about the game's not that fast. Then the next game, I'll exactly five times or whatever. Goes further to your point, Judah, about his lack of processing speed. I mean, he was sacked on 14% of plays by far the most in the league. 30th in dropbacks 
pass rate over expected, negative 14%, dead last, 29th in neutral pass rate. On second and short plays, a great time to pass, to throw it deep, a great time to use that as a high leverage opportunity, 75% run plays on second and short. So not even taking the opportunities when they're brought to you. And bringing in DJ Moore, all of a sudden, this offense is going to totally flip the script. Again, all, all they're pointing out is that, you know, you're putting a Band-Aid on cancer here. This is, this is the wrong remedy. You're taking NyQuil for a migraine. That actually might help if you fall asleep. I used to pass out and then you wake up, you feel better. But you get what I'm saying, right? You're not understanding the problems here. You know, Justin Fields doesn't throw into tight windows because if he sees a tight window, he's just going to run. And then if somebody actually does come open, his processor is so slow. He's so slow to read it, find it, diagnose it, and throw it that the guy's not open anymore. He, he's terrible at throwing to open receivers. And then, I love he's talking about the guy loves to shoot his mouth off notoriously, talking about 4,000 yards, BS, he says, which is true. The, the, the odds of him hitting 4,000 yards are unbelievably low. It's, it's laughable if you actually try to make the math work to get there. But he points out how, you know, coming out, he was like, oh, the game looks slow to me. And then what? The whole thing is that his brain doesn't work fast enough to play in the NFL. That's the whole problem. But he comes out of college talking about this is actually kind of slow. He's got a big mouth, but he can't seem to back it up. Back to our buddy Judah. Justin Fields' accurate throw percentage was 31%, which was dead last in the NFL, 4% worse than Zach Wilson. If he improves 10% in his accuracy, which would be the same jump as Josh Allen had in 2019 to 2020, which was completely unprecedented. If he has that 10% jump, his accuracy would rank with Joe Flacco, Kenny Pickett, Bailey Zappi, and Tyler Huntley. Right? Like we need to- <laughs> if he has... An unprecedented leap in accuracy, he becomes Bailey Zappi. Nice. Set the expectation for what Justin Fields is as a passer, and it's awful. And this is what I've been trying to get. Nobody wants to accept this. Nobody wants to understand this. This the, the, the narrative around Justin Fields is that he had a rough rookie year. He got better in his second year, so he took a second-year leap. We saw massive strides, What is what people say, which is BS. They've already described it. There's highlights of it. I mean, honestly, Colin Coward is right about this. He's a YouTube quarterback. The guy cracked 1,000 yards rushing, so everybody calls that a leap. He went backwards as a passer. By every single data metric you can find, he went backwards as a passer. But the narrative is he took a jump. And if he takes another jump, just like Josh Allen did, just like... Um, Jalen Hurts did, especially now that we got this wide receiver, which they overvalue DJ Moore. They think he's as good as these other guys, and they're not. He's not. But the thing that everybody is missing is that Justin Fields is horrifically bad as a passer. Horrifically bad. Then back to Ben, who's reiterating what I had talked about before, about the rushing likely regressing. And he probably hit his ceiling type outcome from a rushing perspective in a lot yes. of ways, right? There's a realistic path to them potentially regressing downward from where they were at in rushing last year and if that happens and we don't see any dramatic improvement from a passing game this is still very much the same team that they were in 2022 or worse or worse if you take the chicago bears and suddenly they're not the number one rushing team in football which probably is not going to happen and you don't see a massive leap in passing from justin fields because the problem wasn't guys not being able to get open the problem was justin fields processing speed the offense goes backwards. We got Ben again. A lot of people like to hype up DJ Moore. He's a good number two on a really good team, but he's definitely... He's a good number two on a really good team. 
It's what I've been saying. He's 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 like wide receiver thirty. He is a bottom of the barrel number one. He's a real good number two. Not like the alpha that you'd really want to revolutionize this offense. When we talk about two, like a team bringing on a potential alpha wide receiver, which we all don't think necessarily DJ Moore is that guy, but even if he was. When we're talking about that can really elevate the quarterback, it's when that quarterback already has some pretty strong, like existing right. fundamentals. Correct. Correct. Yeah. And that this will bring a really powerful new synergy. That's not the case with Justin Fields. And that's why I like some of those running back or focused futures bets like potential Roshan Johnson rookie of the year as I mentioned 30th and drop back. So very run heavy team, even in those opportunities where they could throw it deep. Anyways, we'll end it with this little comment. Man, betters lost a lot of money betting on the Bears last year. It's actually funny because there are opportunities to win money. As I said, if you can find a way to just straight up bet people on Twitter, that would probably be your best bet. But, um, you know, th th there are consequences to, you know, hype, to uh, putting on kid gloves for certain people, for, for baby and certain players, and just saying that one of the worst quarterbacks we've ever watched is... Uh, going to be this that or the other people lost a ton of money because they bought into the stupidity that was going on they bought into this little bears bubble that they're in saying that the bears are going to be really good so every time the vegas line came out they're like you're out of your mind that's so stupid and the same thing is happening this year of course anything can happen any weird thing can happen but that is that is a completely different discussion than looking at all the available data and coming to the best possible conclusion there is only one best possible conclusion. For the Packers, it's tough. And even in this video, they, they weren't super high on the Packers. None of it really had to do with data. It just had to do with, I can't imagine, young guys coming together and not having problems. Fair enough. There isn't a lot of data for the Packers. But for the Bears, there is. We know Justin Fields. We also know not only that he struggled, but why he struggled. And knowing why he struggled will give you a really good understanding of whether or not the team is going to improve or if whether or not he is going to improve. Because you look at the areas in which the Bears have improved and you say, does that directly affect the areas in which Justin Fields struggled? And if the answer is no, then you don't give bonus points for that. Anyways, I'm going to leave it at that. I was hoping to you know, be able to fill a little bit more time with the training camp notes, so that's more or less all I had planned today, and I didn't expect nobody to actually talk about it, but uh, sounds like all things are good. Very, very excited for Friday. Um, I'm contemplating doing a watch party, so uh, do me a favor. If you'd be interested in watching, I mean, you know, you can still watch it on your TV, but if you want to have it up on your phone or whatever, just to kind of check in, drop a couple comments, hang out and watch the game together, get some live reactions, let me know. Um, because I'm kind of, I'm kind of on the fence on whether or not I want to just, you know, hang out and watch it. You know, upstairs, just having a couple chips, or if we should do a, uh, have a little party. So let me know as quick as you can. Drop me a message. Hey, I want to do it. Let's do it. Stop being lazy. Watch party time. Party time. Packers. Rock and roll. Anyways, have a good day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye. <laughs>